You know, today, even as we have, uh, we have just, uh, yeah, just run out, and we also launched the 40 days of prayer and fasting. Uh, and how many of you are in the prayer and fasting? Uh, you, have, you have committed yourself to it. Yeah, less of you in this service. But well, not bad, quite a lot. Don't be shy. Put it up strong, high, yeah? Praise the Lord. Well done. You know what? We anointed 1,333 people. Wow, it was really awesome. I really want to thank God for such an awesome church, awesome staff. Because I only told them about it on Tuesday morning because the Lord only told us Tuesday morning and the pastors only agreed Tuesday morning and we had to do anointing of 1,333 people. But I'll tell you this. This is a powerful season. If you choose to believe that God is real, you will see a difference in your life. And that is why even I think by the design of God that we should be doing Matthew chapter 13. So turn with me now to Matthew chapter 13. And this morning, Wayan did an excellent job of explaining why God spoke in parables. And the reason why God spoke in parables, if you want to know it, you go and read, uh, you go and listen to Wayan's message. But today I'm going to uh, talk about, or rather share from Matthew chapter 13, from verse 24 onwards. He shared from verse 1 to verse 23. And in Matthew 20, 13, they're all together seven parables. Seven parables. The first is the major one from verse 1 to verse 23. And now we're going to give you a few more further down the line. Today I've decided that we will not use any PowerPoints because I just felt in my spirit that we want to focus in. We want to give God focused attention. So we're going to focus on your Bibles, whether it's digital or, or spiritual or virtual, but I've got physical Bible. Alright, so those of you who have a proper Bible plus a digital Bible, and if your friend has one and you didn't bring one, can you say, I'm going to really take you out for dinner afterwards, after you finish fasting. Nah. Can I look inside your Bible? Is that okay? Alright, and those of you who have your Bibles, will you join me to read the passage of Scripture strong and loud so that the Spirit of God can speak to us. Amen? Amen. Are you ready? Are you ready? I brought my specs. Sector service, I'm so vain, I didn't bring my specs so I cannot see anything. So I repented. All right. So I don't, if I don't look so good, never mind. At least I can see the word. All right. Join me in reading Matthew 13, verse 24 onwards. One, two, three, go. Jesus told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while everyone was sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. When the weeds sprouted and formed heads, then the weeds also appeared. The owner's servants came to him and said, Sir, didn't you sow good seed in your field? Where then did the weeds come from? An enemy did this, he replied, and the servants asked him, Do you want us to go and pull them up? No, he answered, because while you're pulling the weeds, you may root up the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. At that time, I will tell the harvesters, first collect the weeds and tie them in bundles to be burned, then gather the wheat and bring it into my barn. Now, this is the second parable that Jesus explains. In all of Jesus' teaching on the parables, there are only two that he explains. The parable of the sower and the parable of the wheat and the wheat. So turn now to verse 36. Actually, don't worry that your version is different from mine. After all, we speak in tongues, so what does it matter, all right? So, yeah. So let's go again. Verse chapter 13, verse 36. One, two, three, go. Then he left the crowd and went into the house. His disciples came to him and said, Explain to us the parable of the weeds in the field. And he answered, The one who sowed the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world, and the good seed stands for the sons of the kingdom. 
The weeds are the sons of the evil one, and the enemy who sows them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age, and the harvesters are angels. As the weeds are pulled up and burned in the fire, so it will be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send out his angels, and they will weed out of his kingdom everything that causes sin, and all who do evil. They will throw them into the fiery furnace, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Then Jesus goes on to tell two parables. So verse 44, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again. And then in his joy went and sold all he had and bought what he f- that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. Once again, the kingdom... Now he tells it, goes back. Huh? So again, verse 47, once again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net that was let down into the lake and caught all kinds of fish when it was full. Very good. On the shore. Then they sat down, collected the good fish. Well done. This is how it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come and separate the wicked from the righteous and throw them into the fiery furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Have you understood all these things? Jesus asked. Yes, they replied. So he said to them, Therefore every teacher of the law who has been instructed about the kingdom of heaven is like the owner of a house who brings out of his storeroom new treasures as well as old. You're an excellent church. After lunch also you can read so loud. Praise the Lord. Turn to your friends and say, really, we are a very good church. Yeah. I, I'm a very good member. Praise God. All right. Now, let me put a context of this. There are, here's Jesus. He has just explained the parable of the sower. And the parable of the sower, the story of a man who goes out and sows seed upon the ground, and the, and the, and the seed then bears fruit. Now he's shifting. Now, I want you to know this. That whatever Jesus teach on parables, it is not to be mysterious, as Wang An shared. It's actually to share a simple truth and for the people to arrive at a simple point. But the point that Jesus wants to make, the reason why he uses parables, is because he wants them to get a point that will shock them a little bit or, or surprise them or cause them to wake up and not fall asleep, all right? A little bit like you all, no, no, you are, you are very awake because you just read it. Yeah, those people who didn't come, they fell asleep. So his purpose is to wake them up and make them, whoa. And what is Jesus' purpose in telling the parables? To solicit a response. Now, this is very important. All the time, that you come in church and that we spend so much time preparing our sermons, preparing something to share with you, has only one thing that we are only looking for. We are soliciting a response. So is the Lord who is watching us this afternoon. As far as God is concerned, He's not interested whether you say He's a good teacher or not a good teacher. He's not interested whether the crowds are listening or not. He wants a response. And the reason why he wants a response, because as he tells these parables, he's laying before the people, as well as his disciples, and all of us who are now following Jesus, he's laying before us a critical truth, a reality, a fact, so that we would wake up that if we want to follow Jesus, we must come to a sense of reality checks and begin to put that reality and begin to apprehend that reality and ask ourselves, do I get it? Now that I get it, Do I want to respond to it 
or do I just cast it out away? So what is the reason, what is the gist of the parable of the wheat and the wheat? So the gist of it is like that. A man goes out and he sows good seed. And the good seed is being sown even as he's sowing good seed. While everyone else is asleep, the devil, no, we don't know, the devil, an, an enemy comes in and in the midst of the good seed, sows something that's called weeds. Now we all know that weeds do not, should not be sown where wheat is going to be sown. But nevertheless, the enemy has come in while everyone is sleeping and he sows weeds. And the weeds, actually nobody knew he sowed it until the weeds began and the wheat began to grow. And as they grew, the servants of the man came to him and said, Master, Master, guess what? You sowed wheat, didn't you? You sowed wheat. But you know what? I went out to the field. I saw weeds in the midst of our wheat. Then he said, what happened? What happened? And the master said, an enemy has done this. Wow, like that cannot man. Die la. How are my wheat? I cannot grow ah, Can I go and pull it out? And the master said, you see, it's two o'clock. I need to make it. <laughs> I need to be dramatic a bit. The reason is that he said, if I, you cannot pull it out because if you pull out the weeds, the wheat will also be pulled out. No, he says, don't pull them out. Wait till harvest time. Actually, harvest time, wheat and wheat will look different. In fact, if you Google and look at the wheat, it's brown and golden and shining in the sun. But the weeds will look brown and look dry and there's no weight in the wheat in the weed. But in the actual wheat, there'll be substance, there'll be juicy and ripe. So this is what the story is about. Jesus goes on to interpret this parable. It's so important that Jesus says, look, I'm going to tell you exactly, because the disciples ask him, tell us, since you told us the meaning of the previous one, tell us, what does this mean? We want to get it. We want to get it. The last one was good, but we must get this one as well. So he tells them, listen, he said, this is what it is. The good seed are the sons of the kingdom, like you and me. And these have been sown by God. Good news, right? But the devil is the enemy. And so you and I need to know this. This is a reality check. Even as we are sitting here, the devil is fast at work. Now we may be sleeping, alright? We may be asleep, but I want you to know something. The devil never sleeps. Never in fact, the moment we look a bit drowsy, a little bit lethargic, a little bit not there, he is actively at work. And so Jesus tells them, the enemy is actively at work and while everyone was sleeping, he has sown weeds and the weeds are the sons of the evil one. And do you know something Jesus goes on to add? But I want to tell you this, Jesus says, do not be anxious about the weed or the weeds and do not be petrified because you cannot actually pluck the weed out without plucking out the wheat. But you know something Jesus goes on to say? What will happen is harvest time. Harvest time is the end of the age. Now I know that uh, in modern churches today, we don't like to talk about end times, but end times is a reality. That's when rubber hits the road. When will we know that there are weeds in the midst of wheat? When will we know this will happen? At the end time, when harvest times comes, God will send the angels out for the harvesters and it's so obvious, this is wheat, this is wheat, and He'll take out all the weeds, separate it from the wheat, the real wheat, and throws it out 
into now. Here's where Jesus, go to the word, go back to the word. I want you to catch it. I don't really want you just to hear me. So you're going to use your own Bible. This is what happens. Verse 44, 41, the Son of Man will send out His angels and they'll weed out of His kingdom everything that causes sin and anything who does evil. And look at verse 42. Where does the weed go? The fiery furnace where there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And where does the wheat go? The wheat will be the righteous one, shining like sun in the kingdom of their father. And then he says this, He who has ears to hear, hear this properly. Which means pay attention, wake up. This is a living reality. As you follow Jesus, there are weeds sown in your midst. And these weeds will cause corruption of the sons of God. These weeds are serious things. You need to know that. And it's the enemy that has sown it. But there will come a day when the weeds will be taken in, but the weeds will be thrown into the fiery furnace where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now, so important is this truth that Jesus tells another parable just to make sure the disciples understand the reality of being a follower of Jesus. So he goes to verse 47, to verse 50. Was it verse 47? Yeah. Verse 47. He tells another parable called the parable of the net. And in this parable, a man goes out, casts the net into the sea, just like us, we go and, 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 and do rallies and bring in the fish. But in the net, there's good fish and bad fish. When will we know which is the bad fish and which is the good fish? The end of the age, the final moment when the harvest, uh, the, the, then Jesus appears. And that is when the good fish get collected in. But again, look at the verse again. The bad fish will be thrown into the fiery furnace where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. Have you understood? It is so important to Jesus that he shocks the disciples. He wakes them up and says, I want you to know this. I want you to know this. It is not enough just to follow me. I want you to come to reality to do this because there's a devil. He's actively at work. Do you know what he says? Sometimes even when you pull in the net, there's going to be bad fish in your midst. In fact, the bad fish, the devil's not even mentioned. There's bad fish and there's good fish. And I want you to know this, he says. Just as the wheat and the weed got separated and the wheat came to the Father, but the weeds were cast and thrown into the fiery furnace where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth, so will the bad fish. The bad fish will also be caught and be thrown into the fiery furnace. Wow, if you were the disciple at that time, you'd suddenly say, oh my gosh, is this going to happen? I hope I'm not the bad fish. I better be careful about the weeds. I better wake up. I better make sure that I will not be thrown into that fiery furnace. I better not be sure that I'll be gathered into the Father's bosom. And so you and I, when we hear this, we should wake up as well because this is the reality of the kingdom. See, Jesus always wants us to know the truth because a truth that is real will be, always remain a truth. It does not matter whether in SIBKL today, 21st century, whether we believe it or not, but a truth remains a truth. So Jesus is saying this to us. Now, in the midst of this really horror story, so to speak, or in the midst of that reality, Jesus now takes the disciples and gives them a truth. He says, listen, I also want you to listen to another two parables. And these two parables is found in um, verse 
44 to 46. Now listen to this. These two parables is in the midst of all the other five parables. There are altogether seven parables um, in, in, in chapter 13. It's a response to the first parable, the parable of the sower. How can we be sure that as we listen to the word of God here, that we are good soil? How can we be sure that we can produce fruit a hundredfold, sixtyfold or thirtyfold? How can we be sure that even as we follow Jesus and as the devil actively sows weeds in our midst, that we will remain a wheat and not become something else and be corrupted? And, and how, do we, how can we be sure that on the day when Jesus sends his angels out, that we would not be gathered and cast away into the fiery furnace and where there is weeping and gnashing of teeth. And Jesus gives this, make sure, listen to the parable of the hidden treasure and the man who found the pearl of greatest price. So look at it. Let's look at it again. Look in the Bible. Here is a man. He finds a treasure. It's hidden in the field. He's so excited. It says here, and when he found it, he began to hide, put it back again because he's so scared other people will find it. And he goes away and he sells all that he has to buy this treasure. And this treasure is hidden. It's not easy to access. You know, all treasures are not obvious. You know, if it's obvious, it's not a treasure. You know, in the deep sea treasures, people dive deep, 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 you know, and, and, and look for treasure. So, but he was prepared. He says, this is awesome, this is awesome. I found just a Leonardo da Vinci's, all of his collections or something like that. I don't know what he found. But it was so precious to him that he was worth his while to spend time, energy and effort to sell all that he has and put all his bid on only this treasure. The second man was even more amazing. He found a pearl of greatest price and this pearl was a luabiasa pearl. So luabiasa that he says, listen, all my other investments, I'm going to sell it off, I'm going to use all my money and I'm going to buy only this pearl. Actually, it's not a very good idea because in investments, you put all your eggs in one basket, there's no diversity, it's a little bit dangerous. But you know what? This man was confident that if he could have this one pearl, he would have been the smartest man on earth. He would have outwit all the other investors. Why did Jesus, what's the point? Remember, if you go and listen to Wang An's sharing, he says, in every parable, there is a punchline. There is a punchline. Why would this man, these two men, sell all that they have? Because that pearl and that treasure was what was sufficient and satisfied everything. Everything they'd been looking for was nothing compared to this pearl and this treasure. What was Jesus' point? He was saying this. If you want to be able to navigate through life, and if you want to, as you go through life, be able to stand strong and firm, no matter what happens, trials come, tribulations come, whatever happens, you will still be fruitful and your, bad, your leaves will still never wither and you bear fruit in every season. That's the story of the parable of the sower. Fruitful, no matter what happens to you. If you want to be the kind of believer, the kind of follower of Jesus, that even if the devil sows weeds in your midst, you will still be harvested as a son of God. Amen? How many of us want to do that? How many of us want to do that? Do you know it's futile to be a Christian if on the judgment day you are not there? Do you know it's a waste of your life then? The whole purpose is this. What will make sure you will get that? 
treasure Jesus like the man treasured the pearl. You know what the man, why the man treasured the pearl? There was a hunger to possess. No hunger, no treasure. That is it. And so this man, when he saw it, he was hungry. He just felt, this is it. This is it. This is it. And Jesus said the same. Actually, he says, you must begin to realize the whole truth of the gospel is a treasure. It is the one that will cause you to be fruitful in winter, summer, autumn, spring. This is the one that will cause you to be the head, not the tail. This is the one treasure that will defeat the demonic realm like it has happened in Sabah and it will continue to happen in all of Malaysia. Do you know that even as we went into this whole battle in Ranau, do you know what was happening in the spiritual realm? Do you know what was happening? Here we are in East Malaysia holding a rally in Ranau on the 9th of, 9th is it? What date? Uh? Friday was what day? 9th of August. Did you know? Did you know? that at exactly 9th of August in Kota Baru, another rally was held. Rally held for Zakir Naik. What do you think is happening? Because there is confrontation in the realms. It's a reality, my friends. Reality. But unless you and I begin to dig deep, begin to be like the man, begin to say, I must have more of Jesus. I must really begin to read the Word of God. Not only must I read the Word of God, I must begin to fast and pray. I must begin to understand prayer. I must begin to know what it means, what it means to have Jesus, what it means that Jesus is far above every principality and power. I must begin to know that. Do you know, whatever we do out there means nothing. That is why I want to warn us as Malaysians. May 9th has come and gone. And if you and I don't wake up, Actually, things won't be as rosy as you and I think. And that is why I feel God is saying to us as a church, listen, God wants to rise up for us. But even as we did that, God gave tremendous understanding. Even as we see the crowds coming to run out, it was an affirmation that God is with us. Amen? God is with us. But the key is the church. The church needs to be really like this man, dig deep for treasure, must go deep, must long for Him, must begin to hunger for Him. And that's why this 40 days of prayer and fasting become critical. Because in the 40 days of prayer and fasting, let me share with you what God began to take us. Why did we anoint 1,333 people? Why did we do that? Because the Lord was saying to us this. In fact, the Lord said to me very clearly, this year, train your people to hunger for God and to honour God greatly. To put him high in esteem, like the pearl. Treasure him and not treat him as seer, seer, saja. NECF chose the theme holiness. And the word holiness means lua biasa. Lua biasa, the pearl of greatest price. And the Lord began to say to me, do you know how you can treat Jesus as the pearl of greatest price and really rebuke me. He said, I want you to do this. It's not the number of hours of prayer. It's not what you do to fast. In fact, this kingdom of God is not about eating and drinking, but righteousness, peace, and joy. It's a joy that God wants to put in. It's a peace that God wants to put in. It's not about just fasting. What I want is for you to honour me and treasure me so much that when you spend that time with me, if you said you're giving me half an hour, it must be half an hour of focused attention. Now listen to me. 
This is what happened. I, I, I spend about two hours every day with the Lord. On Mondays, it can go up to three. And already I feel really good, right? But what happened was, as I was entering the fast on Monday, I had reached the end of my reading. And as I reached the end of my reading, the concern I had that I must quickly tell everybody we're having anointing and all that, that came to me. And I was so distracted that in the last 10 minutes of the time that I was spending with the Lord, I began to start, as usual, a lot of us do that. Huh? But actually, I don't do that often, but I would do it now and then. But I, I took up my phone and started texting. Texting me, texting her. And the Spirit of the Lord says, you have just dishonored me. See, I just read Malachi. If I were a governor, would you do that? Says in Malachi. If I were a king, and I was giving you this time of attention, would you have just, after talking to me, after listening to me, immediately take out your handphone and do that? It was such a shock to me. And the Lord, this is the problem of the people of your generation. You have not treasured me above everything else. You see, we don't need to sell everything to take on this highest treasure. We just need to give Jesus focused attention. No using of handphones when the messages are on. Or talking to God in between, right in the middle of work. Even in our prayer times, people play with handphones. And the Lord says, how can I be special, a treasure, if you do that? Do you know, ever since I stopped it, it's not even the number of hours. That one hour of focused attention created incredible depth in me. And I want to tell you this is what's so happening in church. I shared it to the pastors, especially my children's ministry with Jeremy, Julia. And do you know recently, we decided that the children must encounter Jesus because no matter how we teach, it cannot we cannot come against the past of the world. AI is coming, virtual reality. Families are really in disarray. We even in Thought Zone had the sad part to hear a six-year-old boy. Father just died a few years ago. And last week, the mother died of cancer. Both father and mother died of cancer. Six-year-old boy, often, suddenly, non-Christian relatives. How do we cope? And the Lord began to teach us, make sure the children have an experiential knowledge of me. We take the children through PUP. We take the children to the Bible this year. They're really into the Bible. But it's not just Bible alone. So it's more than just the Bible. Yes, in this season, we want you to read the Bible because the Bible is the basic. But the, the Word must become a living reality. A living reality. The Word must become flesh. And so we were very concerned. And so we began to say, we're going to do encountering God's service. And I'll tell you, I, I had to tell Jeremy, Jeremy, I dare not do it. You better do the whole thing. Because I'm super scared of the kids. After they run about, I think I go die. And, and I shout, then I'm super not uh, good already. I end up more stressful than them. And, and so I was really fearful of it. But I really praise God for the teachers and Jeremy and the team. So they began to teach them to come into the presence of God. And this is it, you see. It's a choice. It's a choice. It's a choice today. If you don't want to dig deep into God, it's a choice. 
And so he drew a line. He drew a line. And he says, you know what? If you want God to speak to you, if you want to hear from God, if you want God to strengthen you so that you have power, you have authority, you even have, you even have a sense that God is real, these kids are already skeptical. Huh? I ask you to choose to cross that line. Do you know what happened last week when we did that? Not two weeks ago when we did that? A parent that I met one week later told me this awesomeness. Because to tell the truth, when we decided to do it and when I went in, I was, I was thinking, what a foolish thing to do. I said, don't know whether the children got it or not. And I kind of like, not sure. Now this is when the Lord affirmed that we are in the right season when, and the children are very hungry. So as they drew the line, one child, the mother told me, 10 years old kid, very smart kid, and a kid that's already having skepticism about God, he walks over that line. The presence of God comes upon him. He kneels down. He's overwhelmed. He wants to cry, but he's macho, macho, tak mau cry. But he's experiencing sensations. He goes back to his mom and asks the mom. He describes everything that happened to him. Ask the mom, what happened to me? And the mother said, you have just had an encounter with Jesus. Now, that's not the end. Just today, this weekend, Pastor Jeremy told me, Wow. In fact, before he told me yesterday, I went home. A mother sent me, so excited, says, what's happening in Kids Zone? Send me a recording of the worship time in Kids Zone. When I, she said, I cried. Then when I heard it, I also cried. Because I don't know. There was a sense of awe. The children was, and then Jeremy told me what, and then another father told me, that the son, the daughter, seven years old, I think, came back and says, Daddy, Daddy, God spoke to me. Jesus spoke to me. He told me to be strong, not to be scared. Wow. But I'll tell you what happened. And I want to share this. You see, it's not about selling all you have. It's about giving God attention. Your full attention. Pastor Jeremy just came back from Kids Zone. And said that he told, look at me, don't worry. If you pay attention to me, all this will go. Do you know that's what will happen? The weeds will come. Do you know that as he did that, he told the kids, this is the moment you're going to, you, God wants to love you. God wants to strengthen you. God wants you to know he's going to be with you always. But right now, you're going to stand, is it stand? Stand, sit or whatever, lie down. And I want you to lie down in God's presence and give God full attention. He came back saying it was Lua Piasa. The children laid down and the presence of the Lord overwhelmed them. And the rest you can ask him because I wasn't there. Now what is God saying to us? God is saying to this. The word holiness simply means make God special. When we make God special, everything will change. Now, I'm going to ask you this. How is it? What are the weeds? What then are the weeds that the devil sows amongst the wheat that will cause us to lose our faith and be corrupted? Now, just about a few weeks ago, I think it was about a month ago, news came out that this very famous American pastor, he's very famous, he's 50 over years old, has a huge church, and he's very, very famous in the, when he was a very young pastor with writing a book called I Kiss Dating Goodbye. How many of, uh, know that book? 
In fact, SIB knows it very, very well because we raised up our young people using I Kiss Dating Goodbye. Basically, this is a book that really tells the young people to keep sexual purity and not to just go into any kind of relationship to keep their hearts pure and ready for their life partners. It's an amazing book. He became the icon of I Kiss Dating Goodbye and of sexual purity. But unfortunately, with time, and I guess with success, I don't know, do you know he's really part of the uh, Gospel Coalition? Gospel Coalition is where Tim Keller, John Piper is part of. Just to show you, don't think that you are a weed and you would not be affected by the weeds. This man recently went public, public, not only divorcing his wife, but saying that I no longer believe in Jesus and walked away from the faith. Question, how come it happened? It shocked a lot of us who know this book. And, who is, and his name is Joshua Harris. A lot of my young people were shocked because we brought them up on this. What happened? Now, this is where God began to speak to me. You must tell the people what are the weeds. So turn now with me to the gospel, uh, of, not gospel, sorry, to the book of Jude. Actually, I'll give you a good news. Uh, if you want to say, I read two books of the Bible, you just read Jude and Philemon. Only one chapter, only one. And then you can boast already. I read two books of the Bible. Entire book, no. Beginning to end, you know. Now, Jude is at the end, just before Revelation. Right at the end. Now, this is an important uh, information. This Jude is particularly speaking of the last days. And remember just now, Jesus is talking about the wheat and the weeds, and it's talking about in the last days, just before the end of the age, you're going to experience this, and at the end of the age, there's that separation. So Jude is talking about that. So turn with me to Jude, and look at, I'm going to read from verse 3 to verse 4. Dear friends, although I was very eager to write to you about the salvation we share, I felt I had to write and urge you to contend for the faith. Now, why contend for the faith? The faith of a believer is not everything, you know, it's so easy. There is a devil. Jesus just told us there's a devil. You have an enemy and he's going to fight you. He's, you have to contend for your faith. It is not just an afternoon walk in the park. Being a follower of Jesus is not an afternoon walk in the park. It's not a picnic. It is a warfare. There is a devil contending for your faith. And then he goes on to say in verse 4, for certain men, whose condemnation was written about long ago, have secretly slipped in. So the weeds are now entering the field where the wheat is. Secret men uh, secretly have slipped in. Who are these men? They are godless men who change the grace of our God to a license for immorality and deny Jesus Christ our only sovereign and Lord. And listen to me. You know, when a lot of preachers think that, oh, the weeds and the wheat means that uh, in the church, uh, the church now become, just embrace LGBT and all these perversions. It's true, it's true. But I want you to know that it does not start there. Although the end of it is perversity, it doesn't start with perversity. At the end of it, this godless man will be manifested as sharing what is called grace with license. It will not start there. It doesn't start there. In fact, Jesus, in fact, Pastor Chu, at the launch of the 40 days in Mark chapter 9 says, there's a phrase that Jesus used, of unbelieving and perverse generation. In other words, the believers can end up being perverse. It doesn't start with perversity, however. It starts with unbelief. 
But how can we have unbelief? After all, we love Jesus. How can Paul, uh, Joshua Harris have unbelief now? How come he became unbelievers? Ah, the secret is in verse 18 of the book of Jude. Look at it. In the last times, there will be scoffers or mockers who will follow their ungodly desires. And these are the men who will divide you, who follow mere natural instincts and do not have the spirit. In other words, the weeds are the mockers of the believers. What are mockers? Before I go and tell you what they actually are, this is what a mocker would do. Ayah, what man? Fasting and prayer. I don't say man. Must eat one man. We got meaning one. Hey, go to church enough lah. Already you go to church. Some more you sell leader. Are you? Some more you pastor. Some more. Come on, man. It's a real world lah. Mocks. It mocks your desire to go deeper. In fact, this man would even say, come on, sexual purity. Hey, you belong to the dark ages, right? Today, there's no such thing. There's no such thing as sexual purity. You see, you, see, you don't believe me, you go and find out. Everyone's doing it. So what's there about it? What's there about it? These are the mockers. They're the mockers. How can you stand for sexual purity? The mockers will even say, miracles, all this thing in Ranao, Ranao, these people, la, ayah, they're all natives, ma, what to expect? Kuala Lumpur, no? quite clever people. No? Some of you doctor, no? come on man. Miracles cannot happen. I want to tell you something. Eh? Incidentally, we have a problem, right? When we hear testimonies, we, we begin to doubt it. See, this is what mockers do. They begin to make you think, I think uh, I'm quite a little bit foolish. Huh? Maybe they're right. Uh. Actually, I'm being too spiritual. Actually, half, half enough already. Man. I actually, I am a little bit ashamed that you're fasting. A little bit ashamed that you're really reading the Bible 10 chapters a day. 10 chapters a day, you want to die, man. Because kind of time, man. Oh. I read one also, I find cannot really, though. So you begin to be ashamed. And not only are you ashamed, you begin to doubt yourself. With doubting yourself, you also doubt the truth of the Bible. And not only do you doubt the truth of the Bible, slowly there's disbelief, not unbelief, yeah? Disbelief. What's disbelief? Disbelief is different from unbelief. Disbelief is that, yeah, 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 God is great. But all these great testimonies, don't know true or not, man. No. Disbelief. Disbelief causes us to lose a grandeur of God. It causes us to think, yeah, la, God, God, la. But she got God, la. We begin to treat God not as loa piasa, not as wow. God, God la, God la. I mean God la. I mean God, 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 God one. He becomes common. That is why we no longer revere Him. We no longer honor Him. Neither do we have the patience and the hunger to thirst for Him. We sing the songs, but we do not mean. The key is this, before long, you might be Joshua Harris, a casualty. And when the end days come, the harvesters come, will you be weed or wheat? Good fish or bad fish? Why did Joshua Harris lose his faith? He spent time with the mockers. He himself said it. I believe Joshua Harris made this big mistake. You see, in Psalm 1 it says, Blessed is the man 
who does not walk in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stand in the way of sinners, nor sit in the seat of the mockers. You don't become ungodly and listening to their counsel overnight. One. Neither would you become part and stand with the, the sinners and do the same thing. One. You start with sitting in the seat of the mockers. Joshua Harris actually went to all the people who read his book, or rather people were sending him emails. Now there's no need to go, like they send you so many emails anyway. And he spent more time reading the emails than probably going back to dig deep into the Word of God, spend time with God, prayer and loving Jesus. He probably did that. And before long, he began to doubt himself. He began to doubt everything that he wrote. And these people began to say to him, you know, Joshua Harris, uh, because uh, I followed you, uh, you know something, uh, your book, uh, your book, uh, now my marriage gone. I don't know what, don't know what. You, you, you can read the whole thing. What? Now, Joshua Harris did not have the discernment as to what was happening because the devil was mocking him. The weeds were coming. He did not have the discernment. He did not have the discernment because he did not dig deep. And guess what? I will say this to you. These people who read his book and then their lives didn't change, what was wrong? They should not just read the book. They should have gone back to the, 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 the Lord of Joshua Harris. They should read the book for themselves. And not only that, they should begin to pray and bring their problems before the Lord. They should allow the Lord to empower them. I will say to you these things. I will say to you this. It is impossible to keep yourself pure unless... The Holy Spirit empowers you. Tell, I'll tell you, who are the mockers? Go back to Jude. Go back to Jude. Jude describes the mockers. Number one, they have ungodly desires. Everybody say, ungodly desires. How many of you here want to be godly? But the mockers are not godly. They have an ungodly desires. And not only really that, it says there, they follow natural instincts and do not have the Spirit. What does it mean? What does it mean to follow natural instincts? To follow natural instincts is just to be human. Follow senses, sensual. To begin to look at spiritual things as, ayah, so stupid, ayah, cannot, why are you so spiritual? Do you know something? The Bible tells us, if you do not have the Spirit of God, you do not belong to Him. Romans chapter 8. In fact, if you do not have the Spirit of God, you cannot know God. Because God is spirit and truth. And you know something? It says that who can know the mind of God except the Spirit of God? Can you know the mind of an ant? Can an ant know the mind of us? Cannot. Who can know the thoughts of God, the understanding of God, the wisdom of God, unless the Spirit? So these men, they think they are very clever. They don't want spiritual things. They have no hunger for spiritual things. They reject spiritual things. And they allow their flesh to take over. And they go around and mock the Christians. And so it says, they divide you. They divide you into spiritual and secular. Go to work, you're unspiritual. Come to church, you're spiritual. What has happened? Skepticism has come in. And because of this mocking, these people like Joshua Harris are casualties in the kingdom of God. Do you know how sad God feels? Do you know how sad God feels? I just heard something happening in Australia after sharing in the third service. One of my friends who came back from um, Australia told me this. Do you know it says, you are so blessed here because there's a hunger for God, but there's no hunger there. I just want, you know, he told me this. Listen, he said, do you know what's happening in Australia? Do you know in the churches, they just take God for granted. They just can't be bothered. And do you know what's happening in Australia? Do you know, he said, there was just an, 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 an abortion uh, this is an abortion clinic. There was a sign, abortion clinic. 
and his friend merely went there to look at the abortion clinic sign only. Only look! A police car with two policemen saw him looking and assumed that he's going to pray against abortion, went down and arrested him. Casualties in the kingdom of God. That's why. Can you feel the heart of Jesus? Jesus is saying, if you don't make me your greatest treasure, you cannot withstand the mockers. I want to close. I don't want to, there's so many testimonies I could share, but I want to close. Jesus spoke to me very deeply. I really treasure this season. I've decided that this season, I'm going to ask God to take me to another level because I need it. What makes me think my faith will stand in times of difficulty and calamity? I cannot take that for granted. And so God began to speak to me. He says there are three very serious things happening in the church today. And tell it to the people. I even told it into the second service when Wangan was preaching, but it's so serious, I felt I had to release it. These are the three situations that our Heavenly Father is very concerned about. And look at me, don't worry what's happening behind my back. The first, he says, is called shallow or superficial Christians. Christians who come to church, but it's like the parable of the sower. The word is there. The word is being sown. God is a good sower. He sows good seed. But even as the seed is sown, it's just falling on the pathway. What is the pathway? So Jesus explains it. The pathway are those who hear the word but have no understanding. So their entire Christian life is shallow. Or, or rather, it's just... Not the, in fact, no. In fact, this one not even shallow. It's entire Christian life is wasted. Because as the seed is sown... And it doesn't even enter the soil because they have no understanding. The birds of the air, which is the devil, Jesus explained the devil, remember the devil? The devil comes and takes away whatever was sown. So your whole time here could have been wasted. Could have been wasted. What a shame to have spent the whole afternoon listening, 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 no understanding. Then whatever you heard, you went out there, it's gone. Understanding requires intentionality. If you want to understand whatever was sown, today you have to go back and read the whole of chapter 13, maybe another two, three times because it's so serious. It talks about end days. It talks about weeds. It talks about the devil. That is understanding. Understanding means you go back. If you don't understand geography, you have to go back and ask someone about geography. If you went to a maths class, you don't understand, you don't just say, ah, don't, I might not feel exactly, exactly. You don't do that. You can get hold of a teacher get hold of, and you try to do the sums again. So that's the same with the Word of God. You don't just come and hear it. You need to understand it. You need to ask questions about it. You need to explore it. You need to pray it through. And God will give the understanding. So God is saying, the problem with the church is shallowness. And when you're shallow, that's it. The devil already is inside the church. You don't need to go very far. Don't need to fight all those spiritual battles, uh, all that, all the ism, ism, no need. It's inside here. You're already a casualty. Second type of church of believers, God is very concerned about. And He says, are busy believers. And that includes pastors. So busy working for God. So busy looking after our children. So busy with everything. But no time to just shut away everything, go into our room and give God 30 minutes. Why? 
because we have no time. But we have time for Facebook. We have time to take amazing Instagram pictures. We have time. I still don't know doing what. And so there's no peace and no restedness inside us. You know, Pastor Chu and I were very, very concerned about that. We're so busy that we have no time. Do you know something? The devil don't mind you being very busy doing this, doing that. But do you know something? Everything we do, actually, the chances of success, not very high one. It's only when you spend time with God and you partner with Him that God is in the picture. It's not, you know, I was discipling Gigi, the, the, the heads of Gigi. And I said to them, Gigi is at the crossroads. There's a big difference asking God to be in Gigi's plans versus Gigi inside God's plans. You go back and think. You go back and think. When we are busy, God is just sokong sokong sajala. But when we have given God focus, attention, the power, the anointing, the glory of God, the substance of God, the very nature of God begins to enter us. So much so that even when we open our mouth, it's actually not us anymore. It is God. I can never forget the story of James Kawalia, a Satanist encountering one young college girl who carried the glory of God and all 640 of his demons fled from her. Why? Because this girl spent time with God. So Jesus is saying to me, make sure you are not so busy. Make sure in these 40 days you have intentionally carved up time. Write it down exactly how you're going to do it. Decide what you're going to cut off so that you're not so busy. Second problem, busyness. Third problem, satisfied. Satisfied people are not necessarily weak Christians. They could even be very mature Christians because they learn so much, they've done so much, but they're satisfied. The problem I think with Joshua Harris is that he was satisfied. His church was growing. He was influential. He had impacted so many lives. And by being satisfied, his hunger to know Jesus more, I think, stopped. And God has reminded me, SIP is in danger if you better want them. They should not be satisfied. Yes, we did a very successful rally, but all glory be to God. But this is still the season to hunger for Jesus. To be saying to ourselves, enough is enough. I don't want to go to the motions of church. I don't even know what it means. I don't understand miracles. I don't understand this. I don't understand this. But I want to press in. Do you know I want to end with two stories, all right? One story is truly a miracle. One of my uh, prayer leaders, she's a tremendous prayer leader. And she also heads the healing and deliverance ministry. She became, her cancer came back. Uh, she has been healed of cancer for many, many years. Then suddenly last year, it came back. And came back at, at quite stage four. So she went back to Kuching for therapy. And she went back to Kuching for therapy. And she began, God gave her a verse. She's a person and a husband. They really dig deep into God. They really spend time with God. They really home in on God. They really uh, build that amazing relationship with God. 
And, but the disease went downhill, downhill. It came to a point just a, a, a few weeks ago that a husband wrote to me and says, looks like I have to surrender my wife. I think I just have to let her go and surrender her to the Lord. And so we also thought, yeah, surrender her to the Lord. Lo and behold, just about last week, I think this happened. I think it's only last week or maybe two weeks ago. Suddenly, news came. Suddenly, I got a text from her. And I was a bit shocked. Now, I'll tell you what happened. So what happened was that here, everybody had given up on her. She was in hospice care. She went into coma. And she went to coma for 12 to 13 hours. And so the, 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 the husband has actually signed the consent form for her that if, if, any, if anything worse happens than that, they would not resuscitate her. Actually signed already. But what happened, she later on told everyone, is that in the 12 to 13 hours, because she's really got substance, uh, this one, see substance is substance one. You cannot deny substance. Because she already had it, she, in the 12 to 13 hours, she was fighting the demons for her life because the demons were determined that she would not have a testimony to give. You see, how can you silence the mockers? Testimony. It's the testimonies that silence the mockers. Amen. You look at me, right? So this is what happened. For 13 hours, she fought the demons and suddenly, she, uh, she said, I felt resurrected. She just sent me a text. So I didn't know what happened. So later on, I found out there were two girls from our, our, our church who went there to support her, to actually prepare her towards the last days and all that. They actually saw the whole event. They were shocked because when she came out of it, she began to want to eat. The next day, she was eating food. And yesterday, I asked Helen, she's walking. Shuhui is the name. Do not let people mock the things of God. Amen. And I want to end by one more testimony that Wangan shared happening in Life Gym. Our college students downstairs, we may despise you know, that kind of seeking of God, so deep, so hungry. Pastor Tabby is actually going to preach on hunger. And they're already very hungry. Now, this is what happens. This is what happened. Wangan shared there was a young man, he, college student, came in accepted Jesus Christ for the last two years, discipled in life gen, growing in the Lord. And then he gets an opportunity to go abroad to study. And of course, why not? Everybody says, yeah, praise God. No, God has given you an opportunity. Go abroad to study. Go, go there. Learn as much as you can. And of course, some people end up sitting, staying there forever and ever. But so this boy went and he went there. But one year later, he came back. He came back. So why not ask him, what happened? Why are you back? And he shares this. Listen, he says, when I went to this country and began to study, I felt that I was being choked. See? Seed amongst the weeds. Seed amongst the... I was being choked. I was being stifled of my spirituality. My faith was being submerged and being drowned. I found it so hard to pray. In fact, I, I get mocked if I pray or, or even read the Bible. So I decided, no. I cannot do this. I'm going to give it up. I'm going to come back and study in Malaysia. I gave up because he said, this is the pearl of greatest price. I cannot afford to lose my faith. I can lose the opportunity to study abroad, but God will give it back to me here in Malaysia. Young man, let's stand. Let's stand. This is a season when God is serious with us. If you are serious with God, my friends, you will see great things in your life. You see great breakthroughs in the workplace, in your family, in your children, in, even, even in Malaysia. A, a, a powerful test, a prophecy was released on Saturday morning by Elder Kuntat's wife from Malaysia. So powerful. 
because God is at work. Amen. Now pray, just pray, just pray for yourself first. Pray for yourself. Begin to say, God, I want to give you focused attention. I want to take this opportunity of the 40 days fast to come into a serious time with you. I don't want to become a casualty like Joshua Harris. I do not want even on Judgment Day to be hurled up and cast away and thrown into the fiery furnace where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. No, Lord! No, Lord! Be like the disciples when they heard that verse. No, Lord! I want to seek you with all my heart so that I will come into the bosom of my Father. Come on, if that is you, put up your hands. If that is you, put up your hands. Come on. Shara, pray in tongues. Pray in tongues, pray in language. I don't care what you pray. Pray in Malay, pray in Chinese. Pray in anything you like. As long as you pray, God, help me. Help me. I need more of you. I need more hunger. I need more of you. Come on, pray. Oh, just pray. Say, Lord, I need you. 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 I need you with all my heart. I cannot afford this life without you. I do not want to be a casualty. I do not want to be a victim of the world at the moment. Sharaka Sandara da 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 da. Come on, praying tongues. Come on. Kuraka kara praying tongues. Kuraka kara da sandara da 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 kia. Kuraka kara da sandara da 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 kia. Kuraka kara da sandara da 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 kia. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. You know, I feel God is saying, as your hands are lifted up, God is very gracious. This is a moment of His favor. The Lord really gave me this verse in Luke four. This is the anointed moment and the appointed moment, the year of the Lord's favour. As you enter this fast, He will give you the power to not allow the mockers pull you down. The Spirit will come upon you. It's not by might, not by power, but by the Spirit. So just lift your hands up and I'm just going to let the Holy Spirit come upon you. Father, I see all these hands up. Even as your hands are lifted up, I'm going to ask God, to train you how to be intentional. It cannot just be a wishful thinking. Right now, tell God, God, I really hunger for you. I'm going to give you maybe one day a week, one hour a, a, a week or one hour, three times a week where I will read the Bible, where I'll go into my car or my closet or my bathroom to pray and to seek you. Father, just ask for your grace. Let that be such a grace over us. We thank you that you're here because you want us not to become a casualty. So Father, I bless all my brothers and sisters this afternoon that they will be strong, stand firm, be victorious. They will see signs and wonders in their life. They will see breakthroughs in their family. They'll see breakthroughs in their workplace. They'll see even a restedness in their body, Lord. And they will be able to sleep and even enjoy this very life that you give them. There'll be diseases will have no power over them, O oh Lord God, because there's a glory cloud over them Lord. Let's sing this song. There is a sing this song as a prayer. Only you can feel a raging tempest. Only you can still. I don't hear you sing. My soul is thirsty, Lord, to know you as I know. Cry to the Lord. Fight to the Lord. Before you take me deeper. Tell the Lord, take me deeper. I, I don't want to be in shallow waters. I don't want shallow waters. Deeper in love with you. Jesus, hold me close in your Don't get distracted by people. Focus on the Lord. Take me deeper. 
Take me deeper. Tell the Lord, I'm going to give you time. Sunrise, sunrise to sunrise, I will seek your face. Draw by the Spirit to the promise of your grace. My heart is found in you, a hope that will abide. Forever satisfied. Come on, Take tell the Lord. Oh, tell the Lord. Take us deeper, Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. like a tree planted by trees of waters. You're going to understand what it is to know God more and more. And you're going to be able to be strengthened so that you can resist even temptations, addictions. And Jesus will taste so good to you, become so precious to you, that to cast away the addiction is nothing to you. Because a deeper love for Jesus supersedes everything else. So Father, it's a time of the anointing. Father, I bless them with the anointing, the empowering of the Holy Spirit. I bless them. You know, this morning we anointed all the children. Yet the other day we anointed all the people fasting. I believe God is anointing you. You don't need us to anoint you. There's an anointing in the church right now for those who want to seek the Lord. So Father, I thank you, Lord. And now separate us with the love of God our Father, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has died for us and longs for us to be with Him in heaven and also the fellowship of the Holy Spirit which will instruct us and train us and teach us, Lord. So we thank you, Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. 
Amen. Give Jesus a big clap. Amen.